How do you know when it's good enough? That's the question behind every design. Edenicity has two definitions. The first is the Eden-like city depicted in the reference design that you'll find in the show notes. That's mainly what I've been talking about for 39 episodes now. Today, I'll focus on the second definition of Edenicity, which is a measure of economic and ecological abundance. This is a number that you can calculate for any place where people live. As I mentioned in episode 1, the Garden of Eden would have an Edenicity of around 100. Sadly, no modern city comes close to that. In episode 22, we used a 14-question quiz to estimate the Edenicity of your childhood home. I also applied it to a few places I've lived and got numbers ranging from 30% to 70%. But with modern amenities and ecologically sound design, it shouldn't be hard to build cities well above 100. I wouldn't consider new construction with a score under 150. Yet when I look at the hundreds of new cities being built right now, I'm hard-pressed to find any with an Edenicity of even 100. All the ones I've seen are ecological and economic disasters. If they have cars and highways, that's a quick fail. Today, we'll use an expanded quiz to estimate the Edenicity of where you live or any place else planned or built. Cities. Designed like modern Edens. For economic and ecological abundance. I'm Kev Polk, your guide to Edenicity. Welcome to episode 40, where we'll calculate the Edenicity of where you live. This will be a 40-question quiz about your personal experiences in the home where you live, have lived, or may live if you're shopping for a new place to live. The questions are meant to be lifestyle indicators, not a comprehensive list of everything that should be done to create Edenicity. Each yes is worth one point. If it doesn't apply to you, pretend it does. For example, if it refers to children or pets that you don't have, pretend you do. At the end, we'll add up all the points, then multiply by four. That'll be your Edenicity score. And unless you're really good at holding numbers in your head, you might want to get out a piece of paper to tally your results. Ready? Here we go. Our first eight questions have to do with housing and energy. Question one. Does your home share any walls, floors, or ceilings with neighbors? As I explained in episode nine, that just puts the laws of physics in your favor for energy efficiency. Number two. Does your home have views of outdoor greenery and the sky? Now, you may wonder what that's got to do with the environment, but remember, we're talking about ecological and economic abundance, which basically means having a more enjoyable life. And views have everything to do with that. Question number three, is your home free of mold and toxic chemicals? Now, before you rush to answer that, think about what's all involved in toxic chemicals. There's asbestos, of course, lead and radon and pesticides. So if there's any of that in your home, that's a no. Then there's tobacco and cannabis, combustion heaters of any kind, anything made of particle board, including furniture such as desks and bookshelves, and floorboards. Note that most of these are a problem mainly if your home does not circulate much outside air. Question four. Is the area around your home dark and quiet at night? Question five. Do you use 100% renewable energy? Six. Is your total energy bill, including heat, less than $30 per person per month. 7. Do you have curbside recycling pickup? 
Bonus question. Do you compost your food waste? 8. Does your toilet have a bidet or reusable wipes? The next eight questions have to do with transportation and industry. Question 9. Do you own zero cars? 10. Is your commute less than 10 minutes? 11. Can you run your daily errands and play outside without seeing a car? 12. Would it be easy for a child to visit a public library alone from where you live by age 8? 13. Do you pay less than $60 a month for transportation? 14. Can you bicycle throughout the year in any weather? 15. Are there any cafes within a five-minute walk from where you live? 16. Are there many good manufacturing or tech jobs nearby? Okay, the next eight questions have to do with health and education. Question 17. Could an adult in your household easily take a year off to take care of a baby? 18. Do you have free and easy medical and dental care? Now look, if you're looking at a copay that's less than maybe $10, let's count that as free, or close enough anyway. I'm thinking about when I was in the Southern Cook Islands and I had a small skin infection and went to see a local doctor. Basically, I was in and out of there in less than 45 minutes. And it cost me, I think it was seven New Zealand dollars at the time. And I left with my medications in hand. It was just no big deal. That's the level of service that I'm talking about. Question 19. Do you get more than 20 minutes of daily exercise? 20. Can grade school students get themselves to school in less than 10 minutes on foot, by bicycle, or on public transit? If they drive themselves to school in a car or take an Uber, that doesn't count. 21. Are the nearest schools all safe, welcoming places of connection and discovery? If you have to shop around for a good school, answer no. 22. Are all teachers well-trained and well-supported? I'm taking the Finland model here, where about one out of ten applicants to an education degree program actually gets in, where there's none of this Teach for America nonsense where they take people who are not trained in education and give them a crash course, no non-traditional tracks, and once you do jump through all the hoops to become a degreed and credentialed teacher, which seem almost as rigorous as the credentials to become a doctor, then you actually get a good salary and good benefits. So once again, question 22, are all teachers well-trained and well-supported? 23, do students from ages 12 to 18 start school at 9 a.m. or later? This is just basic biology. They really won't learn as well if they start earlier than that. 24, can you earn an accredited bachelor, master, Ph.D., or professional degree for free? The next eight questions have to do with society and governance. 25. Do you have a guaranteed basic income? 26. Do you eat with family daily? Bonus question. Do you eat with neighbors and friends daily? 27. Do you know and trust your nearest neighbors? 28. Do you have close friends who are different from you in terms of their cultural or ethnic or perhaps non-binary or binary identity? 29. Do people around you feel that they have no limits placed on them by society due to their cultural, ethnic, or gender identity? 30. Can you become mayor next week? Did that one surprise you? Recall from episode 18 that the governance structure of Edenicity is very fluid and allows people with very good ideas to be promoted very quickly to advocate for those specific ideas. So the good news is that, yes, you could potentially become mayor next week. The bad news is the week after, you would probably be out. 
31. Do you trust the courts? 32. Are police in your neighborhood unarmed? Okay, our final eight questions have to do with food and conservation. Ready? 33. Is the air and water in your neighborhood always clean? 34. Is there always enough nutritious, healthy food where you live? 35. Do you eat more from the landscape around you than you do from packages? 36. Do you encounter wild plants and animals daily? 37. Can you easily walk to a forest from home? 38. Does the landscape around you catch and store rainwater? If you don't know what that means, just answer no, and when you have a moment, have a listen to episode number three and skip to the chapter where I talk about village homes in Davis, California. 39. Is nearby wilderness restored faster than it's destroyed? And question 40. Are there any forest cemeteries nearby? Forest cemeteries? What are those? Yeah, we talked about those in episode 36 right at the end. And believe me, if they were anywhere nearby, you would know about them. Okay, that's the quiz. Add up your points and multiply by four to get the Edenicity of your location. Chances are the number will be different than the childhood Edenicity you may have calculated in episode 22. That's because we're looking at the bigger picture now, all life stages and the whole region where you live. Now, if you've already been trying to live a sustainable lifestyle, your Edenicity score will probably bring home to you just how much is out of your control when it comes to sustainable living. If the Edenicity score does nothing else, it dramatizes the fact that true sustainability, the kind that can end the mass extinction, is strictly a matter of large-scale design. Edenicity is simpler and more focused than the more rigorous green construction rating systems such as LEED, which stands for Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. LEED focuses on the technical aspects of development and construction. Its basic unit is the project, which in practice usually means just one building. Edenicity, by contrast, is regional, results-oriented, and subjective. Your neighbor may or may not have the same score. A developer should strive to build something that provides everyone with the highest, most equal scores possible. And clearly this quiz will evolve over time, as all designs do. But I think it's already good enough to do its job, which is to distinguish which places are on track to heal the world, which are not, and why. The sad truth is, there are no really good choices right now. But that's about to change. More about that next time. Okay, that was episode 40. Now that you've calculated your Edenicity, how does it compare with your friends? Just tap that share button in your podcast player so they can take the quiz, too. And be sure to join me next time when I'll discuss development strategies. I'm Kev Polk, and this has been Edenicity. Edenicity.